1: Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager.
0: And I'm Karen
2: Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today.
1: We begin with the Group of 20 Summit in India, which wrapped this week, and Leaders reached compromises on Russia's war in Ukraine and a new multilateral rail and sea route deal. Chinese Premier Li Qiang stood in place of President Xi Jinping, but did meet with President Biden. A Chinese spokeswoman says Li told the president China's development is an opportunity for the United States. Speaking in Vietnam, on his way back from the summit, President Biden said he thinks the U.S. and the world are better off if China does well, but he did raise doubts on the chances China China invades Taiwan given China's economic woes.
3: China has a difficult economic problem right now for a whole range of reasons that relate to international growth and lack thereof and uh, the, the policies that China has followed. And so I, I don't think it's going to cause China to invade Taiwan. As a matter of fact, the opposite probably doesn't have the, the same capacity. That it had
1: before. I mean, president Biden hasn't met with China's president since November of last year. U.S.-China relations have stalled amid a number of incidents, including export bans and the alleged Chinese spy balloon incident.
2: And today, Nathan, on his way back from the G20, President Biden will mark the 22nd anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks in Alaska. He'll visit 1,000 first responders and their families at a military base in Anchorage. Vice President Kamala Harris will visit the National September 11th Memorial and Museum in Lower Manhattan to honor lives lost in the terror attack. And she'll be joined by U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas. First Lady Jill Biden visits the National 9-11 Pentagon Memorial in Arlington, Virginia.
1: Turning from politics to the economy now, Karen. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen joined President Biden at the G20. She's expressing confidence the U.S. will stick a soft landing. On her way back from India, Yellen told reporters she's confident the U.S. can contain inflation without damaging the job market. She says she's feeling very good that the U.S. will avoid a recession. But no one's declaring victory just yet. Bloomberg Opinion columnist Mohammed Alarian says the Federal Reserve faces more complications ahead of its next policy decision next week.
4: CPI next week can definitely change it, not September, but can change the next rate hike um, at the end of October, beginning of November. This is a very complicated time for the Fed, and markets should not jump to conclusion too easily as to what's going to happen beyond
1: September. Bloomberg Opinion columnist Mohammed Alarian says we'll learn more on Wednesday when we get the August Consumer Price Index.
2: Meanwhile, Nathan, a growing threat to the economy is emerging in Detroit. New analysis says that even a brief United Auto Workers strike will cause billions in economic damage. And Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports that the strike could begin as soon as Thursday.
3: This is coming just when U.S. automakers and the broader economy are starting to recover from the effects of the pandemic and then semiconductor shortages. And along with the threat of even a brief strike, Anderson Economic Group, a consultancy in Lansing, says if it went on longer, it could really dent the economy. It says even a 10-day strike would reduce the U.S. GDP by $5.6 billion and likely would push the Michigan economy into recession. It also says it could make some models scarce, and push prices up just as they had started coming
1: down. I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Radio. Thanks, Ed. Meantime, traders will be watching for earnings growth, whether this year's rally can be sustained through this month. Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet reports. September has historically been a rocky month for U.S. equities, and
4: now traders and investors are questioning the outlook for earnings growth given rising bond yields. Jake Jolly is head of investment analysis at Bank of New York Mellon.
1: I would describe... Earnings results uh, so far this year is basically being better than feared, right? We marked down expectations quite a bit from kind of mid last year. And so far this year, earnings have, again, been better than feared, so it hasn't derailed the rally. Among the
4: companies reporting earnings this week, Adobe on Thursday. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Radio.
2: All right, Charlie, thanks. So well, we also have a couple of key IPOs we're following this week. Online grocery store delivery company Instacart is planning to start its investor show as early as today and is weighing pricing its listing next week. The Wall Street Journal says Instacart's targeting a valuation of as much as $9.3 billion.
1: And Arm Holdings is considering raising its IPO price range for what looks like the largest listing in the world this year. Arm filed for its IPO at $47 to $51 a share. That would have valued the company at $54.5 billion at the high end of the range.
2: Well, elsewhere in company news this morning, Nathan, sources say UBS is set to cut hundreds of wealth jobs in Asia as activity slows in the region. The move comes months after UBS completed its takeover of rival Credit Suisse, and the majority of roles being cut come, are, are within teams acquired from the Swiss lender.
1: In Queens this weekend, Karen, 19-year-old Coco Gauff became the first American teenager to win the U.S. Open since Serena Williams in 2001.
2: I've been coming to this tournament. My dad took me to this tournament sitting right there watching Venus and Serena compete, so it's really incredible to be on this stage.
1: Uh, Coco Goff was interviewed after the game on the court, that sound courtesy of ESPN, marks the first major of Goff's career. On the men's side, Novak Djokovic claimed his 24th major championship, matching Margaret Court for the most Grand Slam singles titles in tennis history. For that look at some of the other stories making news around the world, we are joined by Bloomberg's John Tucker. Good morning, John.
4: And Nathan, it's a race against time in Morocco to find survivors under the rubble after Friday's devastating 6.8 magnitude earthquake. Officials say more than 2,100 people have been killed, over 2,400 injured. American tourist Mohamed Atati was visiting Marrakesh.
2: There is a lot of damage that happened to a lot of buildings. Some of them are mosques, some of them are houses. A lot of communities got hurt.
4: Well, President Biden sending his condolences and offers of help. Twinkie on her hostess brands closing in a sale to J.M. Smucker. It's a move that would marry the two big names and snacks. The Wall Street Journal reports a deal likely worth something in the neighborhood of $4 billion. Could be announced as early as today. After avoiding recession for longer than many thought possible, the U.S. consumer may finally be about to crack. More of this report from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. More than
5: half of the 526 respondents to Bloomberg's latest markets live pulse survey said that personal consumption, the most important driver of economic growth, will shrink early next year. That would mark the first quarterly decline since the onset of the pandemic. Another 21 percent said the reversal will happen even sooner in the last quarter of this year as high borrowing costs eat into household budgets while COVID era savings run down. Jeff Bellinger, Bloomberg Radio.
4: Hurricane Lee barreling through the open waters northeast of the Caribbean. I have expected to cause rip currents a rough surf along the entire U.S. eastern seaboard this week as it makes its way towards Nova Scotia and along the whole east coast. We may see dangerous rip currents starting today. Authorities in Pennsylvania have released new images of escaped inmate Danilo calvacanti as the manhunt continues for the convicted killer. The fugitive now clean-shaven and wearing a hoodie after slipping through a perimeter that was manned mass- by up to 400 officers. The 34-year-old was convicted of killing his ex-girlfriend in front of her two children. And New Mexico gun owners up in arms over Governor Michelle Grisham's recent actions On Friday, the state's Democratic governor declared gun violence a public health emergency and suspended open and concealed carry laws in cities and counties based on crime stats. Now the National Association for Gun Rights and the Gun Owners of America have both filed lawsuits. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm John Tucker. This is Bloomberg. Nathan.
1: Thank you, John. (laughs) Time now for the Bloomberg Sports update. With that, here's John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. The Giants have had plenty of lopsided losses to the
5: Cowboys over the years, but none this bad. Not when getting shut out. Giants coach Brian Day, not soon going to forget last night's season opening final score. We we, we just got, we got skunked here 40 to nothing. So there's, you know. When you, when you play a game like that and coach a game like that, there's nothing that's good enough. Um, and, then you know, look at it with a critical eye, just like we would do in any game. But, uh, you know, 40 to nothing is not a good score, obviously. So a lot to work on, and that's what we'll do. Dallas had special teams and defensive touchdowns in the first quarter. The halftime score of 26 to nothing the second most lopsided in NFL history for a week one game with the home team trailing and getting shut out Giants have a lot to work on especially protecting the quarterback Daniel Jones has got sacked seven times so no one in week one, more impressive than the Cowboys. The 49ers were close. They won 30-7 in Pittsburgh. Eagles a quick start in New England, up 16-0 first quarter. Philly held on, beat the Patriots 25-20. Mac Jones threw 54 passes in defeat. That's with Tom Brady in attendance. That's how Brady spent his first NFL Sunday of retirement. The Commanders' first game since the ownership change, They beat Arizona 20-16. to The Ravens beat Houston 25-9. Week one ends tonight. Another primetime game at MetLife. It's the Jets in Buffalo and the highly anticipated Jets debut of Aaron Rodgers. Bizarre win for the Yankees. They were two outs from being the first team to ever get no hit in an 11-inning game. And they end up beating Milwaukee 4-3 to in 13-innings. The Mets with two of the night won 2 nothing in Minnesota. Red Sox avoided getting swept. They beat Baltimore 7-3. to Giants last night beat the Rockies 6-3. to John Stash, Allen, Bloomberg Sports.
1: Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. We are watching stocks climb in Europe. Futures are pointing to a higher open on Wall Street this morning as well. There is optimism in this market that China's economy may be stabilizing and that the U.S. will be able to pull off a soft landing for the American economy. Let's bring in Dennis Gartman to kick off this trading week for us. Dennis, of course, is chairman of the University of Akron Endowment Investment Committee and the former publisher of the Gartman Letter. Dennis, it's great to speak with you, as always. It has been very... Very interesting to see this continued strong U.S. data ahead of the Federal Reserve's next decision. Uh, do you share some of this optimism, at least, that we're seeing this morning?
3: I haven't shared optimism for quite some period of time. And as the great American poet William Carlos Williams once said, so much depends upon a red wheelbarrow. So much depends upon this the, the coming uh, CPI and PPI numbers on Wednesday and Thursday of this week. I have my doubts as to whether the Fed is going to tighten monetary policy again this month. Probably more likely, though, they'll, they'll take some action in November. But I think this is going to be a fairly quiet week. It's been a, a month and a half since we've seen highs in the in the Dow and the S&P and the NASDAQ. And you're actually seeing some trend lines being broken. So I'm not optimistic, as, other, as the vast majority of people seem to be. I'm rather a tad more pessimistic, not demonstrably so, just a tad more.
1: How does that pessimism play out into the portfolio that you're managing at the University of Akron?
3: We're a, 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 all universities have to be long, uh, an abundant amount of stocks. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. We're, we are less long than most uh, universities are. I took about 10%. Well, actually, it was a committee decision uh, two and a half years ago. We took uh, 10% of the, the portfolio out to to guarantee spending for the next two or three years. And we've actually moved a little bit of money out of China. We've moved a little bit of money into gold. And we're doing reasonably well. We're probably in the upper quartile, not, uh, not leading the attack, but doing quite well to be. And, and we're a, a tad more defensive than most other universities are.
1: We heard from uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Uh, she's been saying for some time that she thinks that the U.S. can pull off a soft landing. Uh, it sounds as though you don't think that's the case.
3: I tend not to think that's the case. I, if, if I if I could only choose one leading one economic indicator to follow, it's the relationship between the Conference Board's leading economic indicators and their own coincident indi- indicators. When the leaders fall below the the coincidence, uh, since 1970, every time it's happened, it's happened. I believe 17 times we've had uh, we, we, we've been in recessionary circumstances. So it's a, it's a it's an indication that that things seem to be slowing down. I would like to think that we could have a, a soft landing. It, certainly that's better for everybody in, involved. But I have my doubts as to whether that can, that can occur. Ms. Yellen has been uh, not the greatest economist of all time, and she's made some terrible, terrible decisions over the past many years. I think she's probably a little too optimistic. I'm a little more pessimistic, but the operative words here are a little more.
1: So, do you think that we could see some economic damage then from the rate hiking cycle that we've already seen from this Federal Reserve? Because, as yes. I mentioned, the economic data uh, tend to say otherwise, at least at this point.
3: Yes, there, there's with with long and, and with long lags, rising interest rates are always deleterious to economic circumstances. I think the Fed is probably done with the with raising of rates, as I said earlier. We won't get an increase in the September meeting. We'll probably get uh, – if we get any, any any further increase in the overnight Fed funds rate, it'll happen in November. But it'll be a long time before the Fed begins the process of easing monetary policy, at least into late 2024, maybe into early 2025. The Fed has made it abundantly clear they intend to fight inflation, and they'll be very slow in, in, in allowing rates to come down. So I think we're going to see a long period of time before rates begin to their, their before policy shifts in in another direction, it'll be a long
1: time. So, do you think that that means that we're going to see the stock market break out of its range to the downside? And if so, by how much? And we've got about a minute left.
3: Yes, I think uh, we're 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 in the process of breaking some important trend lines in the in the Nasdaq, some important trend lines in the Dow, some important trend lines in the S and P. We've broken an important trend line in, in the Russell. And and w- what bothers me greatly is that volume seems to be coming in on the exchanges on down days and coming in and leading on up days. And that's not a, an internally strong sign. So yes, I think we're gonna be a little bit lower, maybe five to 10% below where we are right now before, we, before I turn bullish again on, on, on share prices. That'll be sometime in the future.